I think, uh, first of all, I need to clear the air with regards to any prejudice I might have towards southern dialects. I would simply bring to your attention this morning that my favorite verse of Scripture is, and Jesus said unto them, you all follow me, you hear? <laughs> I have a portion of Scripture to... Uh, read to you this morning rather lengthy, uh, and then having read it, I'd uh, like to run you through it. It's the uh, book of Acts, chapter 9, the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. And I'll begin reading at the uh, very first verse. Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciple. And he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told all that you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus, and for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on the street called Straight, and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, 
who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. And at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. And we'll end our reading with verse 20. I believed I received the original inspiration for this message. Well, I was reflecting one day in chapter 9, verse 11. Go to the house of Judas on the street called Straight. That's an interesting name for a street, especially if you've driven 29 and 68 very often. Those are the streets called crooked. If you will think about it, there are a lot of famous streets in our world. Fifth Avenue in New York City, Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, Trafalgar Square in London, the Champs-Élysées in Paris, the Autobahns in Germany, and Main Street in Nicholasville. And here's another one of those streets. A street that was called Straight. And I'd like you to run you through this passage and point out to you seven things that happened to Paul as he walked that street, or as he walked toward that street. And it would be a sheer impossibility that all of the seven things that I'm going to talk about this morning would be apropos for you. Maybe three, or four, or five, or six of them will not be where you are at. But if just one of them is where you are at, then this message will be for you. What's the first thing that happens here? Well, the first thing that happens is that we read in Acts chapter 9 about a street on which a man was gloriously converted. Now, I, I grant you the circumstances of Paul's conversion were unlike mine. I was not converted at noon 
with an arrest warrant in my hands for Asbarians? As a matter of fact, I was converted as a 17-year-old junior, dressed in my pajamas, brushing my teeth one night. A moment when God closed in on my life. Now I've been fascinated to read the commentaries on Acts. Some of them that I have read are extremely interesting. As a matter of fact, I would go so far to say this morning, if you ever get a chance to read them, don't. Because I've been interested to read some of the explanations of what really happened on that road to Damascus. I put the word really in quotes. One commentator said that what really happened here was that Saul of Tarsus suffered some kind of a seizure. And the biblical writer dressed it up. The only response I can make to that is all blessed epilepsy if it produces a conversion like this. <laughs> I read another, another explanation that said, well, what really happened to Paul was that in the heat of the day and with his blood pressure high, that he simply suffered a sunstroke. That's what really happened. And as I think about it, I don't have any particular problems with that explanation as long as you will allow me to spell the word sun, S-O-N. Stroked by the Son of God. Now your conversion may not have been as spectacular as Paul's. But I am here to say to you this morning, there is no such thing as a mundane conversion. And what I am pursuing this morning is not how God established a beachhead in your life, but the fact that he did establish a beachhead in your life. I'm thinking this morning of the fact that, that Jesus one time encountered three blind men, each of them with the same problem. And one of the blind men, he, come along, he came along and he touched him, and he saw. Then he came to another blind man on another occasion, and he touched him, and, and Jesus said to him, Can you see? And he said, I just see shadows. And so Jesus touched him a second time. And then on another occasion, Jesus came to a, a third blind man and not only touched him, but the scripture says that Jesus spat in the ground and wiggled his finger around and made some mud and then daubed it on the guy's eyes. And he saw. Now can you imagine those three fellows giving their testimony in Hughes this morning? and beginning to argue and debate what was the best way for Jesus to heal? 
As a matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised if those three guys went to it. They might probably end up producing three different denominations. The one-touchers, the two-touchers, and the spitites. <laughs> the important thing is, is not how he healed you, but has he healed you? Not how he saved you, but has he saved you? And it was a street on which a man was gloriously saved. But there's a second thing of interest about this street, people. It's a street on which a man began to pray for the first time in his life. The Lord said to Ananias, a disciple, a believer, he said, I want you to go to the house of Judas and there you will find a man named Saul that is praying. Now keep in mind that Paul had prayed all of his life. He probably said more prayers than a Trappist monk. He said prayers like many of us say prayers. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord the Asbarians to keep. And if I die before I wake, well, my midterms I won't have to take. <laughs> we, we say prayers. But I think for the first time here with a man down on his knees really praying. And that's what happens when God begins to move in on your life and pull away some of the props. I wonder what he was praying about. Well, my suspicion this morning is that he was praying about precisely the thing that Dr. Bob Moore was talking about in chapel on Friday. Do you remember Friday's chapel? How many of you can go back to the Stone Age? What was he talking about on Friday? What was the word that he kept using again and again and again? Repent. Exactly. And I see in my mind's eye this morning a man prostrated on his face before God in prayers of repentance for his evil and for his persecution of the body of Christ. Does someone need to walk this morning a street of that kind of intense praying? Let me suggest a third thing that happened on this road it's found in verses 15 and 16. It's a street on which a person began to discover the will of God for his life. Ananias is to tell Paul, this man is a chosen instrument of mine. He will carry my name before the Gentiles 
and their kings and before the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Thanks, God. At the threshold of his Christian experience, he begins to discover the will of God for his future. And you may not find the will of God for your future at Asbury, but I hope that you will begin to find and to discover the will of God for you at Asbury. Let me rip out a page of my own autobiography of how I moved into the will of God for my future. I am not an Asbarian, neither am I the son of an Asbarian. I did not attend this school. But I did attend the seminary across the street. And as I was coming near the end of my seminary days, I had to write a thesis. Now, my favorite book of the Bible is perhaps one that I'm the only one here this morning to whom it's the favorite. My favorite book of all scripture is the book of Ecclesiastes. You know, it's the one you always say around exam time, vanity of vanities. And what I did for that thesis was that I did a rather intense study of the language of the book of Ecclesiastes. And then I decided to do something just for my own personal pleasure. I tried as far as possible, I didn't get terribly far, but I tried as far as possible to memorize the book of Ecclesiastes in Hebrew. You talk about breaking up a marriage. I have little three-by-five cards around the kitchen in my bedroom. Little verses of Ecclesiastes put all over the wall. Beautiful wallpaper. Have you ever seen Ecclesiastes in Hebrew in the den? <laughs> I came to the end of my seminary days and I applied for graduate school because at that time I believed that God was leading me to teach. I didn't know it would be here, but I'm not here a school like this. I was accepted at two schools. One school happened to be where my parents and my in-laws lived. The other, I knew nobody. And I didn't know which school to go to. And in case it was crucial, I sought the Lord on that matter, and I remember, I remember what he said to me. He said, go to the school where, as of today, you have the least visible means of support. So that took me off to Boston. And I went to class the very first day. Those of you who are seniors and shortly be in graduate school, you will be interested in this. I went to my very first graduate class. 
found out that the class schedule was a little bit different than what I had been accustomed to, so I got there just ahead of the professor. And there was only one seat front, on the front row, right next to Joe Thacker, that was free. And I had to sit there, on the very front row. The professor walked into class right behind me. And I'll never forget the first thing he said. He said, class, this is graduate school. Therefore, we will expect no elementary questions. That meant I was going to ask no questions. <laughs> then, I remember that then I remember that passage of Scripture that we read the first day. We all had our Hebrew Bibles, no English translations. And he said, would you open your Bible to the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 21. Now that's a story about David, who goes down to a king of the Philistines named Akish. And he does something weird and far out. He, he tends to be, he, he fakes insanity. And the scripture says that he started scratching on the door with his fingernails, and he let the spittle run down his beard as part of the act. Now, that had never been one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I could not remember that from BBS flannel graph days. <laughs> Nor had I ever heard my pastor preach extensively on it. And we started off. There are three of us on the front row. And the first guy is a rabbi from Jerusalem. He can read it in Hebrew faster than I can read it in English. And he goes through it like that. And all the time I'm looking ahead, you know how you sometimes do, but shouldn't do. I'm trying to figure out the Hebrew word for spittle and all of that. And then the prof comes to the second in the row. Happened to be a, a girl who I subsequently found out was the most brilliant student in the department. Spoke fluent Arabic, fluent Hebrew, and fluent Greek. Had an MA in, in classics from the University of Athens in Greece. I got very close to getting up and walking out. Our president, John Oswald, was a student, and he was in the second row at that time, and I could hear him saying, I think I heard him saying, Hamilton, don't let Asbury down. <laughs> and he came to me, and he looked at me, and he said, Mr. Hamilton, you're a new student, aren't you? And I said, uh, yes, sir. <laughs> he said, well, I'll tell you what. We'll talk, we'll ask only returning students to recite today. He passed by me and he went to another one. And the class went on and finished. The next day I got there 15 minutes early and sat in the back row. <laughs> behind the biggest person that I could find. <laughs> and we started off again reciting. And all of a sudden, the prof stopped and he asked one of the Hebrew students, one of the Israeli students, this was Jewish University, asked one of the Israeli students to explain a verb form. He could read it, but, but he couldn't. He didn't know anything about the grammar. 
We got off into a discussion of Hebrew grammar. And Dr. Gordon stopped the class, and this is what he said. He said, there's a verse in Scripture that goes like this. The Shabbat ani et hametim shechavar metu min hachayim. He said, where is that? Deadly silence in the class. I peek out behind this big brother in front of me. <laughs> I started waving my little metaphalanges. And I said, Dr. Gordon, that's Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 2. If you're interested how it reads in the English, it's, I praise the dead who are already dead more than I do the living. Now, remember those three by five cards? And then he said, would someone care to, to comment on the significance of the first word, which happens to be a verb? No comment. I said, Dr. Gordon, that's an illustration of the infinitive absolute used as a surrogate for the perfect. He said, right. <laughs> he said, are there any other instances of that in the, in the Hebrew Bible? Deadly silence. I said, Dr. Gordon, there are two more. And then I, re and I repeated them in Hebrew. I said, one is in Esther 3.13, and the other is in Esther chapter 9, verse 1. That rabbi who had been sitting up in the front row at that point jumped to his feet, pointed one finger at the prof, looked back at me and said, how does he know that? went back to what I was doing across the street here. The next day, my third day in graduate school, I'm no sooner in the office, the building where our classes are being conducted, the secretary darts out of the office and she said, Dr. Gordon wants to see you immediately. Now, uh, keep in mind that uh, at this stage in our life, we were, we were just fortunate enough to be able to have a couple of pennies to rub together. And he called me into his office and he said, Mr. Hamlin, sit down. And I sat down. He said, you know, he said, I liked what you did in class yesterday. And he said, as an indication of my approval, he said, I'd like to raise your scholarship for beginners by about $500. Have you ever heard the doxology sung in Hebrew? <laughs> you see, at that point, God finally affirmed 
to me that I was in the right place doing the right thing for the right purpose for the right future. And it started across there. It's a street on which a person began to discover the will of God for his life. But there's a fourth thing that happened. I better get going. There's a fourth thing that happened. It was a street on which this same person was filled with the Holy Spirit. Brother Saul, Jesus who appeared to you has sent me to you so that you may see and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Didn't have to wait five years or ten years. But on the, on the, on, on the heels of his introduction to Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, do you know in the book of Acts there are five great outpourings of the Holy Spirit? Chapter 2, chapter 4, chapter 8, chapter 10, and chapter 19. Every time the Holy Spirit falls in Acts, he falls on groups. The 120, the believers in Samaria, the church in Ephesus. Now in the Gospels, when Jesus talked to people, he talked to people normally one-to-one, talked alone with Nicodemus. He talked alone with the woman at the well. He talked alone with Zacchaeus. He talked alone with the woman taken in adultery. One-to-one. But when the Spirit falls, he falls either on groups or on an individual who is surrounded by a group. And wouldn't it be interesting at Asbury if instead of talking about you being filled with the Holy Spirit and she being filled with the Holy Spirit, if we could hear an announcement like this, did you hear what happened last night at Johnson West? Every guy there was filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you hear what happened at Kresge last night? Every gal there was filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you hear what happened at the faculty prayer meeting? Everybody there was filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you hear what happened in the Division of Philosophy and Religion? Lo and behold, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> well, I must, I must move quickly to uh, number... Uh, What's the next one? I'm losing track. Five, okay. Number five. It is a street on which a man was introduced to the family of God. Ananias goes to Saul and says, Are you that finger-licking Christian persecuting Christian? Jew that I've heard? No. He says, Brother, Brother Saul. Now, I don't know whether you're comfortable referring to people as brother or sister. 
But I believe with all of my heart this morning in the fraternity of the forgiven and the sorority of the saved. He stayed in the house of a Christian who said, the guest room is yours as long as you need it. I hope that some of you have encountered what it means to be a part of the family of God. Just this closing experience, and I'll have to cut out the last two. But recently I was flying back from Chicago to Lexington on a Delta flight. I was carrying in my hand as I boarded the plane a copy of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's uh, call to commitment, a call to uh, discipleship. As I boarded the plane, the, the flight attendant ripped off the part, and she says, oh, she says, I, I see you like to read Bonhoeffer. He was a German theologian around the time of, uh, of Hitler. She said, oh, I said, yes, I do, and I went back to my seat. We got airborne, we got into our flying pattern. It happened to me that there was no passenger sitting in front of me, so after she and the other attendants took care of the passenger's knees. She came down, got on her knees and, uh, on the seat in front of me and talked over the back of the seat and, and said, uh, so you really do read Bonhoeffer? And I said, yes, I do. She said, well, I'm especially interested in paying attention to seeing what our passengers read. She said, uh, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a college teacher. She said, uh, where do you teach? I said, I teach at a little school in central Kentucky. And instantly, she threw up her hands like that and she said, I think Asbury College is the greatest school in the world. <laughs> I said, hey, wait a minute. How do you know I don't teach at Center? Or Transylvania? Or Berea? Or UK Bible College? She said, I just knew that you were a brother in Christ. And in addition to all of the fellowship that we had, I got six extra Cokes. <laughs> seven extra bags of peanuts. And when I got home for supper that night, had not one but two bottles of Pepto-Bismol. found a sister in Christ. Well, I've got to close. My time is up. Two other things, but you can guess what they are. <laughs> but uh, do you need to walk a street this morning to find forgiveness? Do some repentance? To begin finding the will of God for your life? become a real part of the body at Asbury.